and welcome to The Practical Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate, I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. On our podcast today, I am excited to share with you a recent live stream I did for Gina Forehand's Facebook page where she reaches out to women all over the country called Sisterhood Psalm Study. And so I hope this blesses and encourages you. I'm going to leave a link in the description box for Gina's ministry and for Gina's live stream if you'd like to watch the video. And she's been such a blessing. She has a fantastic ministry. I can endorse her 100%. And so I hope this blesses and encourages you. Enjoy. So my friend Beth is a student proclaimer of the word. She loves the word. She digs into the word because she knows there's life in here and that it's beyond just the black and white words on a page. And so I'm telling you, you're going to love every second of this. So without further ado, I'm welcoming Beth Wingate. And I'm just going to let her go and I'm going to sit back and take notes and along with y'all, Here's my pen, got my pen, got my paper. I'm going to be taking notes and I might have something to throw in, but probably not. All right. So welcome, Beth. Here we go. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. So I hope to maybe help look at the Psalms in a new way. And so uh, I have a Bible study also. And one of the things we do is we do word studies. We look at the Hebrew roots, we look at history, we look at different commentaries. And so we do a deep dive on the word of God. And we are actually in first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, and we're dealing with David and the temple. And you cannot really separate the Psalms from the temple once you have an understanding of the temple. And if you're not really reading your Old Testament, You're missing out because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so they complement one another and it's all about Jesus. So, (laughs) yes, and and I'm just going to quote one of my favorite foundation scriptures. John 1 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So the revelation that Jesus and the word are one and the same, we have to grasp that concept. So when we dig into the word of God, we're learning about a new facet of who Jesus is. And da- and these are messianic Psalms. Yep. And so David is giving us clues to a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. And so uh, you gave me Psalm 69 through 79, and I was looking at these and really, David was a musician, so we can't also separate the, the musicality of these psalms. And so I want to look at these from a, a prophetic standpoint, from a Hebraic standpoint, and, uh, and then as really as an album. <laughs> this is one of his albums with 10 yeah. songs in the album, and uh, look at it that way. But before I get into that, I would like to maybe just talk about the Psalms for just a minute and maybe something you haven't touched on yet. I've tried to listen to most of these. I have, I've heard most of them and I don't think anyone has mentioned this yet, but uh, one of the, one of the deeper dives on the Psalms is to understand how ancient biblical poetry works. 
And so I wanted to touch on that for just a minute. So modern poetry has, or traditional poetry, has like a rhyme to it or rhythm or meter or tone so that the language will uh, paint a picture usually through some kind of rhythm or rhyme or tone. Well, biblical poetry is a little different. It's a little deeper, a little harder to grasp, but basically it uses parallelism. So, for example, the Psalms will often, and it's true in the ones we're going to look at today, it will start with a thought and then it'll bring a parallel to that thought. They're called couplets. For example, I have an example here. It says in Psalms 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And then the couplet or the parallel is in the very next verse. It says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So you kind of get the feel for that they run in these pairs and this parallel and they work in tandem together to give us uh, really what the only way I can describe it is uh, an expanded dimension of, of thinking. Uh, yeah, you know where I'm going. So an expanded dimension of our thinking. Well, as we dig into these Psalms, we understand that David was, uh, now this is my belief that David had a vision or he was able somehow to see the temple in heaven, just like Moses did. And then God instructed him to make all the preparations to build the temple here on the earth. Because before Jesus came, this is where God met with Israel. So Moses and David saw the temple in heaven, which just take that in for just a moment, <laughs> that they saw the literal actual temple in heaven and they participated in the in heavenly worship. So when David does the Psalms and when he's worshiping, it's already prophetic in nature. And I'll touch on that further in just a minute. So just put a pen right there. But I want to give us a couple of illustrations. I've got here a menorah <laughs> to use as an example to show what I'd like to show you. So uh, this one is a nine branch Hanukkah menorah, but uh, an actual temple menorah would have seven branches, but for the sake of, of this conversation. So this one has some decorations on it, but in a menorah, it would have a central shaft and then all of the branches would come off of this middle shaft. And that middle shaft is called the servant branch. And it supports everything that comes off of it. And I believe that central shaft represents Jesus as Messiah. Well, if we read in Ephesians 3.10, it says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Okay, so what is the manifold wisdom of God. Well, if we look up the word manifold, it can mean many folds. So like if you take a piece of paper and you fold it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, it will make a fan. You can make a fan out of it. And you have a, you have a flat piece of paper. And when you fold it, fold it, fold it, fold it, fold it, it then takes on 
three-dimensional qualities. So it takes on um, it takes on shape and form. Another kind of manifold is, uh, for example, I went into the tractor supply store and I was looking at the garden, you know, things, and they had this attachment to your hose pipe, and it uh, you would put it on the spigot, and it had one. Uh, opening that went to your spigot and then it divided into four openings and you could put a soaker hose or you know whatever and so now this pipe is enables you because of this manifold to have four hose pipes you know much more effective in your garden well in a sense that's what this is is a manifold it's one pipe going in and then it divides into the seven or nine pipes like a menorah, which is an example of a manifold. Well, I believe that David had this understanding, that David understood that the Word of God is multifaceted, multidimensional, that it has depth, it has dimensions, it has, uh, there's so much to God's Word. The, the scripture that says, in my house are many mansions, that word mansions can be translated dimensions. So there is depth to the word of God because I believe it's divinely inspired. It's from heaven. It's from a higher dimension, if you will. So I don't want to go any further down that part, but I just wanted to touch on the prophetic or maybe you like or more comfortable with the word divine, the divine nature of the Psalms and how that David had a deeper understanding of heavenly worship because he had seen the temple in heaven. And he was giving us uh, hints. He was giving us clues. The Hebrew word there is remez, which means to wink at, or it can mean to hide in a way that you can easily be found. A way to paint that word remez would be if you have a small child and you're playing hide and go seek and you hide behind the curtain, but you kind of stick your arm out and you stick your foot out and maybe you, you know, make a, a whistle or make a noise because you want to be found. The, the fun is in them finding you. So you want them to find you. So that word remez sort of hints to that idea that, that the Lord, I believe, has embedded in his word all kinds of revelation for us to dig out. And should I touch on revelation or just keep <laughs> We could go a hundred directions. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give us a little taste of that. So when Jesus was with the disciples and he turned and he said, who do men say that I am? And they answered, you know, you're a rabbi, you are a teacher, you're a prophet. There was a lot of different answers being thrown around. And then Peter has this epiphany, <laughs> you know, the light bulb went off on his head and mm-hmm. he said, oh my goodness, like he, it dawned on him. It's as if a thought from heaven dropped into his head and he said, you're the Christ. Actually, he would have said, you're the Messiah or in Hebrew, the Mashiach, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus turned to him and said, blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but by my spirit. That's revelation. You yep. only got that information from the Holy Spirit. Yep. The Holy Spirit revealed to Peter that Jesus 
was the Messiah. And so Jesus turns to Peter and says, blessed are thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood did, did not reveal this to you, but by my spirit. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter's not the rock. So that, you know, there are religions that believe Peter is the rock. I, I don't agree with that thought. Peter's not the rock. The right. rock is the revelation of God's word by the Holy Spirit to his people. That's the revelation. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, which by the way, is an offensive term, not a defensive term. And so we are seeking not information, but revelation that leads to transformation in God's word. And so one way we can do that is through word studies, because the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek and then translated to English. And sometimes uh, the, the languages are just different. For example, the word Psalm. In English, you know, we say the word Psalm, but that can be translated in Hebrew about a dozen different words to match our one word for Psalm. So I want to dig into a couple of those, and then I want to dig into these Psalms and maybe look at it from a new angle or a new perspective, or we could say a new dimension. <laughs> Our manifold. And so this is an example of the manifold wisdom of God. Am I going too fast? It's <laughs> great. It's great. Okay, great. All right. So I want to talk for just a minute about Hebrew word studies. If you're not familiar with Hebrew word studies, I personally like the Blue Letter Bible. You can get, you know, I used to have a big old Strong's Concordance, and you would get your concordance out and get a highlighter and look up keywords. And then you would look them up in their Hebrew. And by doing that, you can get a deeper understanding. So in the Blue Letter Bible, the wonderful thing is, is it's kind of the, a lot of the legwork is done for you. You can just touch <laughs> the scripture in blue and it'll pop up with uh, all these resources at your fingertips. And among those is the, uh, the Strong's Concordance and the Genesius Lexicon, which are my two favorites to use. I really like the Strong's concordance i think it's the best mm -hmm. absolutely and so when we look at hebrew words we get a deeper understanding of what's being said or maybe we could say it this way an expanded understanding or definition of what a word is so let's let's look at the word for psalms that's where i'd like to start uh, the word for psalms there's two different words used uh, in the hebrew the first one is zal or Zaymar, Z-A-M-A-R, and it's Strong's H-2167. So you can look these up in your Strong's Concordance yourself. I'm going to give us the shorter definitions. And this is a Hebrew word that means to make music specifically on a stringed instrument. So we know David played the harp. We know he played what's the lyre, which is like a, an ancient form of a guitar. And it's a stringed instrument. So David, uh, we know that this word means to, to praise the Lord and make music on a stringed instrument. Right. And then there's another word here used, which is one of my favorite Hebrew words. And I want to really dig into this word. And it's called Tehillah. That's a little bit harder to spell. This one is spelled T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H. Now, this word is so interesting. By the way, it right. can be, so yeah, good. translated as psalm. 
It can be translated to prophesy. It can be translated to make music or, or worship the Lord with music. And it be, can be translated to dream, uh, to have a dream. And so there are so many, <laughs> we could go so many directions. Uh, this is an, an example of God's manifold wisdom. Just when we dig into this one word, we now have seven branches on our menorah. And we just had a manifold experience with God's word by, by looking at these definitions. So the word Tehillah is Strong's 8416. So H8416. When you're doing the Strong's, it's H for Hebrew or G for Greek, and it'll give you the number. And so this is 8416 Tehillah. And it means praise. It means shine. And it can mean glory. So uh, that's the definition of what it means. Now, this word can show up in English, like I said, as prophecy. It can show up as psalms. It can show up as praise, and it can show up as uh, to dream. And so we first have to talk about real quick, let me uh, challenge or maybe expand your thinking on the word for prophecy, because for some people, uh, they have a they have a limited definition of what prophecy is. So uh, in the King James, there will be the word prophecy or to prophesy or prophesying. And uh, let me, well, let me pause right there and talk about how Hebrew words are made. So Hebrew words are like a hub and a spoke, and then you have spokes on the hub to make a wheel. They're called word wheels. Another way could be to look at it as a manifold. You have the central shaft, which is the root word, and then you have all the branches that come off of that, which are expanded definitions of the root word or the hub word can then have many spokes on the wheel that represent expanded definitions. But you can never take away from the root word, that hub or that servant branch, if you will. So you can add on to the definition to expand it, but it still has to have the essence of the root word. That's why when you're studying word studies in your Strong's Concordance, you always go back to the root word to get the essence or the foundation of what's or the hub of what's being said. So the word prophecy or prophesying or to prophesy in the King James Bible, especially in the Old Testament, uh, it has a root word. And that root word is Strong's H5012, which is Naba, N-A-B-A. And Naba, and by the way, I talk about this in my podcast all the time. If this is something you're interested in, we'll put a link in the description box. I've got several episodes where we spend an hour just on this one word. And so Naba uh, some people think that prophecy means, uh, you know, an elderly lady in a bun or an older gray-headed gentleman, and they'll stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, God's wrath and judgment are coming on the earth, you know, or something along those lines. Or maybe you've seen that in a Hollywood movie and someone's <laughs> seeing a apocalyptic prophecy, you know. And so we have these ideas of what we think the word prophecy means, but actually if we go to the Hebrew, right out of the King James, prophecy just means to be inspired of the Holy Spirit. That's it. And that can have many, many branches or many spokes on the wheel 
of expanded definitions of what prophecy means. And let me sort of give us an example of that. So when Peter had that epiphany and Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not, did not reveal this to you, but by my spirit. Right. What he was saying is, Peter, you didn't see that on a TV show. You didn't read that in some book. Right. You didn't do a class and study that. Your, your friend didn't tell you that. The only way you got this information about Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ, was that the Holy Spirit somehow communicated that to you, whether it be, uh, and that communication can be broad, that can be in a dream, that can be uh, something that's just impressed on your heart, that can be that the Lord spoke to you inside your consciousness and your mind, that can be, uh, I mean, some people say they will hear an audible voice, uh, but the Holy Spirit somehow communicated to you because we serve a living God. Right. And he talks to us. He communicates with us. He communes with us. Sometimes we're more comfortable right. to say that word communion. He communions with us. And so that's how Peter had that. I'll give you a little quick example. I was at a Bible study and afterwards we went to Chili's to get some baby back ribs. <laughs> and so we were in Chili's. And there was a waitress that waited on us and she seemed pleasant enough. You know, she got our drink order. We got water or tea or whatever. And so when she went to go get our drink order, we had not even ordered yet. I uh, looked at her and it's like, I don't don't really know how to describe it. Just that there was an impression to pay attention. That's just the best way that I can put it. So I began to watch her for a moment and i I really can't, I don't know exactly how to put this into words, but in my imagination, it's as if she had the Charlie Brown cloud hanging over her head, just a gloomy cloud. Um, I can't say that I physically saw that, but it's just what I imagined as I looked at her. But I knew that those thoughts did not originate with me. And so I was watching her and it's as if this almost cartoon gloomy cloud followed her around and it it struck me as odd and I really began to pay attention. And I even, you know, in my mind, I even said, okay, Lord, what are you showing me? Because I talk to the Lord in my mind all the time. (laughs) And so, yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what am I seeing here? I mean, this is just the private thoughts in my uh, stream of consciousness. And so uh, there was, uh, I was with my mom and Pastor Beverly, and I turned to them and I said, hey, and I told them what I saw and experienced. And so uh, my mom, we've nicknamed her Judy the Baptist because she never misses an opportunity for evangelism. (laughs) And so uh, when the lady came back over, uh, you know, we, we exchanged a few little pleasantries so it wouldn't be completely awkward. And then my mom just goes straight in and just says, um, is there anything we can pray with you about? Um, and the lady began to cry. And she began to tell us how that she was supposed to be at a relative's funeral. I believe she said it was her niece and that uh, she just couldn't go. And so she decided to come on into work. And then she was having second thoughts and she was just really upset. And so we prayed with her and uh, Pastor Beverly gave her a hug. In fact, uh, while we were uh, there and then my mom asked her her, her her go-to question, which was, if you died tonight, 
Are you 100% sure where you would spend eternity? <laughs> and so, and you would be amazed how many people go, no, no, I don't know. <laughs> and I'd like to know. And so that's exactly what the lady did. She said, no, this has got me thinking about my life and, uh, you know, that her life was taken so young and it's really, it's really bothered me. And so we've, we said that, okay, if we real quick, we won't keep you long. Can we pray with you so that you'll have that assurance? And uh, we began to pray with her just very quietly. We didn't try to draw any attention to ourselves or anything, but the, it's as if the Lord spoke to me again and said, pay attention, look around the room. I've been on this study now for a couple of years about being a prophetic witness, about paying attention. And so I just began to look and there was people at other tables who bowed their heads and they were, you know, silently praying along with us and so we left her a big tip and everything we checked up on her but she got born again that day but the only way that really happened was the holy spirit prophetically communicated yeah. with me and and drew it to my attention and so i believe that david had these kind of encounters yes. and when he wrote the psalms there's just so much we just scratched the surface and there's so much more. If we just dig a little deeper, there's gold and gemstones of revelation waiting to be found. That word remez, it's been hidden there for us to dig it out and to find it. Hidden easily, not difficult to find, to just do a little digging, do a little work. And uh, you can look up definitions, and then I usually stop and go, okay, Lord, Tell me what that means. I, I talked to the Lord very casual like that. Show me what I need to know. Help me to dig a little further. Well, this word Tehila for Psalms is one of those words where you want to dig a little deeper and go a little deeper because the deeper we go, you know, the, you go deep enough, there's oil and diamonds and all kind of goodies under the surface. Oh, right. So to do that, though, we're going to have to have a small understanding of Hebrew. So I want to talk for just a minute about Hebrew, and then we'll dig into this word, and then we'll look at the Psalms that apply all of this. So Hebrew is a little different from English. The Hebrew language is a pictographic language in its ancient form. It's what's called, uh, you could Google it, it's called Paleo-Hebrew, just like you've heard of the Paleo diet, <laughs> which is basically like a biblical diet. Well, Paleo-Hebrew, there's there's a more basic ancient form of Hebrew, uh, which is an amazing language. It has numerical value. It has pictures that go with it. And so it's pictographic, similar to like Egyptian hieroglyphics, but, but different. So if we look at uh, the root word for Tehillah, which is the word Hallel, which means, by the way, it's translated often as Hallelujah. So that'll give you a clue to, to where we're going. So this is the same root word as Hallelujah. The root word for Tehillah is Hallel, which is, and, and then Tehillah is translated as Psalms. But, but like I said, it can also mean dream. It can mean prophecy. It can mean praise. By the way, praise and worship are two different things. That's something I'm real passionate about uh, because I'm involved in worship music. I can praise my children when they make good grades. Oh, you did a great job. You know, I'm so proud of you. But it would be wrong to worship my children. So I'm very passionate about the difference between praise and worship. Okay, so if we dig into this root word, Hallel, which is where we get the word hallelujah. That's an, back to another, another expanded definition of hallel. 
it is made up of four or really three once repeated three hebrew letters so we're going down to the the hebrew word then we went to the root word and now we're going down to the individual letters because i believe there's there is uh there's a rhema in, embedded a revelation inside of that and if you don't know what the word rhema means that's one of the words for faith and it's one of the words for revelation in the greek and it basically means it can be also translated as holy spirit and it basically means uh, a, a word that has life in it that the holy spirit has breathed life into that word in fact one of the definitions means a quickened word and that word quickened means when life comes into a body. For example, if uh, you've ever seen the old TV shows where someone's drowned and they pull them out of the water and they do CPR on them and they cough up the water and then they gasp for air, you know, <gasps> real big intake of air. That would be an, exam an example of rhema. When a baby is born and it takes and draws in that first breath, that's an example of rhema. It's a, a quickened, life-giving word. And I believe the word of God is so powerful and active and alive and full of faith that when the Holy Spirit reveals Naba, uh, that's the word for prophecy, when he gives you a revealed word, when he reveals the word in your Bible to your spirit, spirit to spirit, then I believe it's a breath of life to your spirit, man. And man, you can get a word like that and hang on to it. And it'll take you through all kinds of storms in your life. Right. So I've got my little board here because this is loving a lot it, of loving it so much. So I've got my little board here with the Hebrew. Me laugh so much. Yes. Let's see. Uh, by staying in this. Okay. I got it. You got a little pop up. All right. So if we go to our Hebrew alphabet, we can see that uh, all the Hebrew words here have uh, pictures that go with them. And by looking at this Hebrew word for Hallel, which is the root word of Tehillah, and Tehillah means Psalms, then we can learn something a little deeper. So, so the word Tehillah or Hallel means Tav He Lamed He. Well, actually, in Hebrew, they'd read it left, right, but for right. The, that's why I'm just going to do it this way. So, if we look at this word Tav. The word Tav here, I'll see if I can get it a little closer for you. The word Tav is like a cross. And it's the picture of a cross. And then the word Hey is a man lifting up his hands. It's circled right there. Okay. And then Lamed, let's see if I can get this right. Uh, well, down here, that is a staff, mm -hmm. like a shepherd's staff. And then we have back to uh hey so it's tav hey lamed hey and so that makes up the word tehila in the hebrew and so if we read this i'm going to read i've got my little paper here already prepared so if we read that this way this is what the word means when we translate it from english back to the hebrew for psalms tav is the picture of the cross which means a sign, a seal, or a covenant. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then, right. I could plow right there, but I, I don't know if I need to go. I'll go in a hundred directions if you don't put a leash on me. Uh, <laughs> hey is the picture of a man with his hands stretched to the heavens. And it means to look, to behold, 
or to pay attention. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> and then Lamed is a shepherd's staff, and it speaks to authority, the authority of God over our lives. You know, a shepherd will take that hook, and when the sheep begin to stray, he'll hook them and bring them back into the fold. And then hey, of course, means to pay attention, to look to the Lord. So we could read it this way, uh, that Tav means we have a covenant with the Lord established at the cross by Messiah. The hey means we look to God from the cross. And Lamed says he is our authority, and it reminds us to pay attention to see what he will do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so good. So that's a new way. I hope I said all of that to say this, that the Psalms, I believe, speak to heavenly prophetic worship from heaven. That is the Lord through the Psalms communicating to us. It says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The truth is the word. The spirit is the Holy Spirit. And so he really wants to connect with us in a deeper way. And that is through the Holy Spirit. Like I said, your mama didn't tell you, you didn't read it in a book. You could only get this revelation through the Holy Spirit. So if we dig into our Psalms, we find out that God has a whole lot to say to us. Um, yes. Yeah. Did you want to jump in and say anything? No, right you're doing great. No, this is awesome. I hope people are enjoying it. Yes, yeah, been great. Yeah. So before we dig into, I got a, a couple more things I just wanted to touch on. Uh, so the terms for your Bible, I wanted to run through these really quick. Some of the terms for worship, like I said, uh, that are connected to the Psalms, where in English, we just have the word worship or Psalms. In Hebrew, we have almost a dozen different definitions that speak to those. And I just wanted to kind of run through these really quick. I'm not going to give, I'm not going to spell all these and all of that because I may be, uh, I'm, I, it's Greek to me. I don't speak Hebrew. So um, uh, one of them is, um, I believe this is pronounced right. It's Shaka, and it's one of the words for worship. There's a proskuneo where we get the word prostrate to prostrate yourself. Um, we get the word halal, which was that root word. And actually halal means um, it actually means to worship God like a wild man. <laughs> it's yep. It can be translated exuberant praise. So yep. maybe, you know, for some of us, this is exuberant. And for others, it's, you know, wow, you know, the whole bit. So that's actually biblical. That's you got to dig a little bit, but that's biblical. Uh, then there's Shabbat, which means a loud praise. There's Tehillah. We covered that, which was to uh, to shine or to have glory. Can actually also mean to sparkle. <laughs> so, so I know you said a couple of weeks ago on the Psalm study. Uh, Let me see you sparkle. Yeah, so that's like one of the words for worship. Uh, then there is Zalmar, which is to make music uh, with the stringed instrument. So that's uh, that covers uh, the musical type of worship, which most of these psalms were. And then there is Yada which is actually a picture of the Hebrew letter hey, which means to extend your hands to heaven, which is we say is the universal sign of surrender. And you see people in some churches lift their hands. That is speaking to surrendering to the Lord. And there's actually a Hebrew word for that that is translated in your Bible as worship. And it means 
yada. Actually, yada is more than a word. It's a whole concept. Right. <laughs> but it, to lift your hands toward heaven is the most basic definition. And so that's extremely biblical. And then we have uh, toda, which means a thank offering or a thanks offering. That would cover like clapping your hands and thanking the Lord that way. And then barak means to kneel before God. And so uh, all of these tie into the ironic blessing, and we could do a whole nother side study on that, but I have to always rein myself in with some of these ideas. But I wanted to read one more psalm before we get into our main study and, and show you how these words work inside of a, a scripture that we all know. So we all know Psalms 100 verse 4, which says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Now, if we translate all of that to the words I just read, this is how it would actually read in the Hebrew. It would say, enter his gates with a gift of thanks, todah, his courts with songs of praise, tehillah, raise your hands in thanksgiving, yada, to him, humbly kneel, barak, before his name. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, when you read it this way, it is so much more expressive, so much more detailed. It's an expanded way to look at a psalm so much deeper. And so that's what I mean by the manifold wisdom of God. When we dig into the Hebrew word studies, we get a manifold effect, if you will, that, that menorah effect. We see all the spokes form on the wheel and it comes in, you know, in a higher dimension, if you will. We, we get a deeper look at what God is saying to us. So good. Yes, I love this. So um, let's look at Psalm 69. <laughs> we will now begin our study. <laughs> <laughs> that was the preview. That was set up. Just the setup. That's just the foundation we had to build. So, um, so I was looking at these. I'm, I'm going to just give us a little summary real quick as we work our way through these. So this first one is called a cry of distress and an imprecation on adversaries. So I had to look up the word imprecation. Um, I wasn't sure what that meant. Don't and I'm that no, I'm a bit of a word a wordsmith, and I was like, oh, that's a new one on me. But it means a spoken curse. Mm. Well, was, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And so this is a messianic psalm. So a messianic psalm, we already know there's a layer there because it's hinting, even though it's David talking about itself, he's a type and a shadow, or I like the word prophetic echo. He's a prophetic echo echo of the messiah to come you know there's the the one of the psalms that i think gives us the best example of this type of allegory is when uh david was talking about um the bulls of bashan and campus around me you know camp around me after me well that was actually uh talking about when jesus was on the cross how that uh the enemies from from satan were were after him and mocking him and and things like that. So that's an example of how that goes. Well, David here, he's describing how he's being uh, he's being picked on by his enemies. He's sure. being bullied. He's being talked about. People are slandering him. Um, 
you know, they're going on the, the media, the social media, and they're talking about him and, and it's difficult. And he's, he's taking all of that to the Lord, which by the way, sidebar, your body was not designed to handle stress. That's why you have to cast your cares on him. Be anxious for nothing. You know, I'll go to the Lord. You know, if you need to go outside and, and, you know, go out in the woods and Lord, it's not fair. You know, take it to the Lord. You don't need to be, you know, blah, 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 to everybody else telling everybody your woes and your problems. That's something we take to the Lord. And so we cast our cares on him for he cares for us. And then uh, he, he's having this conversation in Psalm 70. He's, it's a prayer for help against his persecutors, people coming after him. And then we see in Psalm 71, it's, it's a prayer for deliverance. We see him pray, stop and in the middle here, praise the Lord, the reign of the righteous king. And then uh, in 73, uh, he's talking about the end of the wicked and uh, the righteous overcoming. In 74, it's an appeal against the devastation of the land by the enemy, which, by the way, uh, this kind of goes back into uh, another idea. But uh, one of the ways judgment would come into the land is uh, has to do with the land. The land would be devastated or you would eventually be driven out of the land. And that was conditional. We have to touch on this for just a minute because when you throw the word judgment around, some people get nervous. But David and, and Joshua and Moses and, and uh, even Solomon, when they came into Israel as the kingdom, they made a covenant with God. And it was based on the ideas and principles. It's actually the theological term is Deuteronomistic theology, but it's based out of Deuteronomy 28. It's also called retributive theology. But the idea is, okay, Lord, we're making a covenant with you as your people. And if we obey, we will have blessings just like Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And if we disobey, then we open ourselves up to judgment. So that's that's basically the idea of the covenant they had with God in ancient Israel. So it wasn't just like God was angry and punishing people. He was actually extremely merciful and, and very long-suffering with them. And that was usually uh, progressive. It was like God was saying, turn, turn, repent, repent, turn, turn. Uh, and Or this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. And so they wouldn't do it. And so eventually they were bound by the covenant they made with God. Okay. And so we see as we go on that the land is, is uh, being devastated. And then we see that uh, God abases the proud in verse in chapter 75 and exalts the righteous, that there's victorious power of the Lord, that there's comfort in trouble. And then God's guidance of his people in spite of their unfaithful faithfulness, which is a picture of his mercy and then a, a lament over the destruction of Jerusalem and a prayer for help. So what we see is basically uh, David is talking about Israel being in a time of judgment, of lim let's just say limited judgment because of their rebellion, the, the children of Israel, who, by the way, is a picture of the church, uh, that their rebellion kept on and kept on and kept on. And so it brought limited judgment on the land. Well, I got to thinking about that. I was like, okay, well, there's a theme here in this album that David wrote of songs. There's a theme. And the theme that I see is it parallels with where we are today. 
this is exactly where we are in the world today. There is chaos, you know, in our, in the world, not just, we can't just say America, but I can specifically speak to America that uh, are the church. And when I say the church, I mean, capital T, the church as a whole, the Christian church. We're in a time of turmoil. We're in a time of uncertainty. We're in a time, uh, we're in interesting times. And it makes me think, you know, I hear, I hear people say, well, you know, what's going on? Where's the Lord today? Uh, you know, what's wrong with the church? What's happening? And so the way I look at uh, eschatology, which is the study of the end times or end times prophetic events, as I look at it this way, it's the tale of two cities. Oftentimes we in the church have Greek thought. We think very linear. Uh, for example, we think when we think of a timeline, we think of a long timeline and we have points, you know, along that linear timeline, birth, you know, graduate from school, get a job, get married, all the baby, you know, whatever, whatever, and then death at the end of that time. So we think very linear. That's Greek thought. The Hebraic thought or biblical thought I don't know. I don't even sometimes like to say Hebraic. Like biblical thought is very, but it is Hebraic. Uh, by the way, Jesus was Jewish. I don't know who needs to hear that, but he was Jewish. Um, Hebrew thought or biblical thought is completely different. It's cyclical. So it, it runs in uh, seasons and cycles and times, and it kind of what goes around comes around and it spins back around. But really, a better definition of that, if you look that up, it really means uh, to spiral like a giant slinky, if you will, to spiral. And so there, there is some some seasonal or cyclical quality, but it really spirals up or spirals down. I believe in that retributive or deuteronomistic theology that when we are obedient to the Lord, we are spiraling up that slinky, so to speak. And when we are rebellious, we are spiraling down. There's no staying in the middle. You know, if you get on a slinky, you're sliding up or sliding down. There's no staying put. <laughs> so, so we're either, we're either growing in, in the Lord and, and drawing close to him. That's called righteousness, which is positional which means we are in right standing with God, not we're obeying a bunch of rules. It means we're, our heart is in right standing with God or we are in rebellion, which means we are spiraling down that slinky, so to speak. And so that's how Hebrew thought works. It's very cyclical in nature, seasons and times. And so I believe we're in this time where it's the tale of two cities. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times. For some people, it is the worst of times. There is judgment in the land. But for some of us who are citizens of another kingdom, it's the best of times because I believe this is when people's hearts are open to hear and receive from the Lord, when people are being drawn by the Holy Spirit to, to the word of God and to what, into Jesus and what he has to say, the real Jesus, you know, there, there is another gospel and they're preaching another Jesus. One that just says, we love everybody, no matter what. Well, Jesus does love everybody, but uh, we probably shouldn't plow too far right there. I'll get myself in trouble, <laughs> but, but we, we have to be in right standing with God. And that's an attitude of our heart. And then we, we will obey 
out of our the position of love in our heart, not, you know, I have to do this or this will happen. I have to, that's called religion. That's not the same thing that I'm talking about. I'm talking about relationship. And so um, what David is painting a picture of to me, it parallels exactly where we are today because I believe we are right on the precipice, right on the cusp of the third great awakening, that that latter rain, that last day's outpouring of God's spirit, that return to the book of Acts where we will see signs and wonders. And so I believe the picture that David is painting here because it seems like he's going back and forth, a cry for help and then praise of the righteous king. And then he's saying, uh, we need help, Lord, but Lord, we, you know, we exalt your name. We exalt you on high. And so there seems to be that he's talking about two sides of the same coin. And so to me, that's one of the ways that the Psalms are so prophetic because they show us, uh, they're, they're multidimensional. They're showing us both sides of the, of the coin. And so we know that everything in biblical thought um, is based on seed time and harvest. And so we have, to, we have to plow right here for just a minute. In Galatians 6, 7, and 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap the flesh of corruption, but he who sows to the spirit of the spirit will reap everlasting life. That is a law, just like the law of gravity. Yep. You know, if I, if I hold up a piece of paper and I let go, it, the law of gravity takes over and it falls to the ground. This is a law. It's called the law of reciprocity, of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. And oftentimes uh, th- that takes time. You know, you know. Uh, recently I was, I talked about this. Uh, we were talking about the fruits of the spirit recently. And my neighbor has a, f- a fruit tree, two fruit trees right at the stop sign when I leave my house. And uh, for months, I knew it was a fruit tree, but I didn't know what kind of fruit was on the tree. So every day I would drive by and, you know, think to myself, what kind of fruit is on that tree? And uh, then in the right season, I could begin to identify that uh, it was a peach tree and there was little peaches on the tree. And then once I saw the peaches on the tree, then I would notice, oh, my goodness, there's peaches all over this tree. I just didn't notice them before until they came into season. And so it's the same way with the law of sowing and reaping. And so um, I'm trying to I'm trying to decide where I where I want to go, because I got a hundred directions I could go. But um, but I do want to touch on this, that that David and these Psalms is talking about the times he's living in, the, the judgment that is in the land because of their rebellion. Yet at the same time, he's talking about the goodness of God, the, the righteousness of God, the majesty of the Lord, the blessings that God has given him. And there seems to be a theme that, that he had woven through all of this about God's mercy. So I could not get away from talking. I just felt drawn to talk about the Hebrew word for mercy, if that's okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, the Hebrew word for mercy is not just a definition. It's our concept. Uh, it is the word rakhaim. I love this word. Uh, the word for mercy 
basically means uh, it's it's really interesting. Actually, I'm seeing if I have any pictures here. I didn't know if I typed up the picture of it, but this word means uh, a garden. It means uh, a garden uh, of compassion or a garden that encompasses. Uh, you can think of it as a walled garden. Uh, think of an ancient rock wall, and inside the garden is provision. There's protection, everything that you need. Now, outside of the garden is the wilderness. There's, you know, jackals and animals, and there's predators, and uh, there's there's just a vast wilderness. But inside that garden is everything that we need. Now, this word for uh, rakaim, the root word is Strong's H7355, and it means mercy. It can mean compassion, but it also means a womb, W-O-M-B. I love that because a baby is like being in that garden. When, when, a, when a, a, a woman is pregnant with a baby, it has provision. It has protection. It has everything that it needs. And so when we are inside of God's righteousness, it is like being in his mercy, his rakaim, being in that well, that walled garden where we have everything that we need. And so really David in these Psalms that uh, some of these Psalms here, that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about God's mercy being on him, being in the provision and the protection of that garden, being, uh, I mean, you could just go in a hundred directions of what that means, but, but God has placed him into his safety where he has everything he needs for him. And sometimes we think of mercy as, uh, you know, uh, you you got in trouble and the Lord says, you know, I'm going to go easy on you. Maybe it's with your kids and they do something and, and you ground them and you tell them you're grounded for three weeks or something. And then later you go, okay, well, I'm going to have mercy on you and we'll cut your sentence in half, basically. Well, it's it's really tied to this concept. If someone is guilty, a judge can lessen the severity of their punishment. And that's really another description of mercy. But the other side of that coin is, and what this word basically means, is that uh, the, the price, especially a blood price, still had to be satisfied. Even if you had mercy in ancient biblical days, maybe, you know, maybe someone was, there would be examples where someone was killed and it wasn't intentional and uh, someone would be guilty, but in order for their sentence to be lessened, the, the blood price still had to be paid. That there was there was no uh, we're going to go easy on you. There had to be uh, the satisfaction of shed blood. That was that was understood in ancient biblical days. And so, really, mercy also is a picture to us of the work Jesus did on the cross for us. Because the blood price for our sin had to be satisfied. And so salvation alone is a picture of God's mercy. And so David, uh, right here in Psalm 69, think about those concepts of rakaim, the concept 
of Naba, of prophecy, the concept of Tahila, which is that Tav Hey Lamed Hey. We said it was the, the outstretched arm, it was the staff, and it was the cross. And so this points us right to the word Tahila, the very word for Psalms, paints a picture when you dig into the Hebrew of God's mercy, his Rakaim, which takes us right back to the cross. It's said it was a messianic psalm right here in Psalm 69. I'm just going to read a couple of the verses here because really once you have this understanding, it paints a picture of mercy, both the safety and provision of that womb, so does W-O-M-B, but it also paints the picture of the blood price having to be satisfied by a righteous judge. And so I'm going to read just a couple of the first verses in Psalm 69.1. It says, Save me, O God, for the waters are come unto my soul. I sink deep in mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes failed while I wait for my God. They that hate me without cause. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies, wrongfully are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. O oh God, knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from you. Let them not wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts. Be ashamed for my sake. Let not those who seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for that for for thy sake, I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to the mother of my children. For the zeal of your house has eaten me up and reproaches them that reproach that are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth my garment and became a proverb to them or a cautionary tale. Uh, they that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was uh, the song of drunkards. But for as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, Rakaim, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire. Let me not sink. Let me not be delivered from those that uh, let me be delivered from those that hate me out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up. Let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness. Ooh, that's a whole word too we could dig into. For thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies and hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily, draw nigh unto my soul, and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. Thou hast known my repro reproach and my shame, my dishonor, my adversaries are all before me. Reproach hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They uh, gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. So we know this is talking also about Jesus on the cross. He's a very the very picture of mercy, of rakaim. He's the very picture of taking on the blood price so that we 
would have mercy. And so when you dig into this word Tehillah, when you dig into this word for mercy, when you dig in to the word for Psalm, we know now that this is not just David saying a prayer, probably when Saul or maybe Absalom was after him, talking about him, but this was also that that manifold layer talking about Jesus as he was on the cross. We are privy to the private stream of consciousness, the thoughts in his head that Jesus was having on the cross as he prayed to his father, not only talking about rakaim, mercy, but actually acting out that word. I mean, my mind is just blown at the layers that God has Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. I mean, we could just keep reading and, and, and get into that, but but when we when we dig below the surface, we find out that there is so much more, that there's so much more depth. In fact, I didn't even go into some of the layers that are here in this psalm. This psalm actually has something called chiastic structure, which is a whole nother dimension that we didn't even unlock yet. It's where that if we take uh, the language and the way that it's written, if we, we took this psalm and we put it on a piece of paper and we folded it in half, where we fold everything in half Everything complements one another, that there's a pattern in the way that it's, I mean, there's so many layers here. There's Hebrew idioms embedded here. There's so much that this psalm is prophetic. <laughs> and all of these that, that we, I mean, we don't really have time to go through all of these. We're already, I think, an hour in, but, um, but, but there's so much that we can unlock when we look at the Hebrew and when we dig into the word studies and then we pray about it. When anytime I look up a word study, that's information, but I'm not seeking information. I'm seeking revelation. So when I do that, I'll look up a word and then I'll say, okay, Lord, what, what does that mean? What are you saying to me? Like, for example, the word loving kindness, there is an entire concept. It's the word has said. It's a, a H-E-S-S-E-D, and has said is not just loving kindness. That, that doesn't even scratch the surface. There again, that word in English, if we translate it to Hebrew, has about 10 definitions that can apply as we dig into these words. And so we could, we, we could spend probably uh, months just on this one psalm when we scratch below the surface. So I hope maybe I've given you a hunger and challenged you to dig a little bit deeper and to, to mine out the gold under the surface in those prophetic layers. Yeah, I mean, most definitely. And that's what I hope, too, that has happened is that people see, you know, that there is there is so much depth to the word of God that you can never exhaust the word of God. And then the deeper you go, I always say the more, you know, the the less you feel like, you know, um, because you're like, man, uh, there's just so much more. And about the time that you think, you know, all that there is to know, you find out some other new facet depth layer um, that God wants to reveal to you. And so, yes, I hope it has challenged all of us not to just take the word for black and white on the page, but to really go back. And, and you know, and a great thing that I will remind you of as to why you need to do that is because oftentimes the definition when we get to the root of it in the Hebrew and Greek is not um, what your dictionary says, like your regular dictionary, like Webster's. Um, They're different. 
And so if you take the world's definition and try to apply it to the world, uh, to the word of God, you totally miss what God was trying to say to you. We, we need to dig into what the word of God really means each word so that then we are um, taking that truth and applying it out to the world instead of the other way around. So, no, I think that was awesome. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you shared this and just the fact that for me, when I look at these scriptures, again, it's what what's happened through all of the Psalms is that you you get to see this place, as you mentioned earlier about go outside and just yell, you know, but but you, you when you get to that place where you feel like um, I've got all these emotions and I don't know what to do with them. I, I, I remind you guys that what we are getting to peek into is the is to see the inward soulish struggles of King David. And it's a beautiful thing for us to be able to see because we see how he navigated so well. And it always brought, he, he was always able to bring himself back to the truth of the word of God. And so, uh, when your roots are rooted in the truth of the word of God, no matter what goes on around you and the chaos around you, and then the emotions that your flesh might want to bring out in its carnality, um, you can still, if you're rooted and grounded in love, if you're rooted in the word and the true word, the revelation of the word, then you're able to get back to that truth in those difficult seasons or those difficult times. And that's the beauty. You know, some of you may read these and go, David's up and then he's down and then he's up and then he's down and then he's up like you're riding a roller coaster. But what you're really seeing is just what Beth said. There's two sides to every pancake. There's two sides to every coin. And he is sharing, this is my flesh. This is the emotional side. This is where my soul wants to go. I want these people killed. Remember one time he said, just kill them all. And then he comes back. Back to the truth. Have mercy on them, O oh God, um, because of your loving kindness. Help me walk in righteousness. Help me to live in a way that honors you. And so he always comes back um, to the truth. And, and let me tell you, for me, Beth, Psalm 71, verse 18, and then you go on over, but in Psalm 71, verse 18, it says, Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation. And we have an opportunity to share the word of God and what he reveals and teaches us as we walk with him. That we have an obligation that was given to us back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. When they wake up and when they lie down, share with them the truths of the word of God. And um, there is a generation coming behind us who needs to know the things that you have learned. God has not revealed these necessarily just for you. And that's what I appreciate so much about Beth is that she's got this revelation. The Lord has revealed and she's done her homework. You know, some of us don't like homework. I happen to love to study. Um, but when you do your homework and you see these things and have this revelation, I personally believe that that is not for you to keep to yourself. The Bible tells us the, the very purpose of the church. Let me read it for you is in Ephesians chapter four. You can you can put the whole purpose of the church, in my opinion, down to this one verse or two verses. Uh, 
to prepare God's work, uh, excuse me, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the whole purpose of the church. So we need one another's revelation to grow in that fullness, to grow in that maturity. And so what you are being taught and what is what the Lord is revealing to you is not uh, just for uh, you. Um, it, it's for the generations coming behind you. You know, that's all that um, uh, Psalm 78 is. The whole book of Psalm 78 is going back through the whole history um, what are they doing when you rise up and when you lay down? They're doing Deuteronomy 6. You Tell your kids who will tell their kids all that God has done. And um, so I just I loved everything you did to break all this down. It was awesome um, to to uh, wet people's whistle, so to speak, of the depth that is in the word um, that is deeper again than just black and white on a page. Um, and that deeper meaning, that manifold wisdom, that revelation that comes is beautiful. I think when you just started out in this, you talked to me, you called me and you said, girl, what about a manifold in a car? Do you remember that? And you were like, like, I even got to go figure out what happens in, in a car, you know? So I just love that because God uses the natural to teach us the supernatural or the spiritual all the time. And, uh, there is so many layers uh, deep within the word of God that can grow us in our relationship with him. And, and uh, you know, of all the scriptures this week, the one that stood out for me is not only this one about you've got to tell the next generation. You know, I see, uh, you know, people, generations repeat themselves over and over again, the same things. And I'm one, I sit back sometimes and go, well, are we, are are we repeating ourselves? Cause we won't listen to the generation ahead of us. We won't sit down with those who are in their eighties and say, teach me what you've already learned. Um, so we have to relearn it. Um, and how much further would we be if we would honor and respect those that have come before us and listen to the generations before us. And then the second verse that really stuck out to me, Beth, was Psalm 78, verse 72. And it says this, that David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. And um, and listen, God uh, creates in all of us, especially in women, the ability to shepherd. But you can't be a shepherd until you first become a sheep. And um, and you've got to learn how to have a shepherd's heart and what that looks like. If you're a mama, um, you need to learn how to shepherd. If you're a spiritual mama, uh, you need to learn how to shepherd. So this isn't just for sometimes I think when we hear the word shepherd or pastor, um, which means shepherd, um, we think of we think of that and we say, oh, that's just for the church leaders or whatever. But really, there is a there is a gifting in all of us to pastor, to shepherd in some way. And again, Beth, thank you so, so much just for this in-depth study of the word. I took so many pages. I had to write, uh, like turn it, flip it over, turn it upside down. Now I'm going to have to go rewrite it because I can't even read it all. Yeah, and I didn't get into, uh, there was that something else I wanted to bring. I didn't have time to do that. But, but basically, Psalm 72 talks about what we what's called a Suzerain treaty. I didn't have time to get into all of that, but basically David understood 
that he was a servant king to a greater kingdom. That that's the long story short. And so um, that's a whole nother dimension, a whole nother branch on that manifold of that expanded definition. Yeah. I was just out of time, uh, you know, with, with the word study part. But, but there there are so many layers here. Just in these ten chapters, there is a, a just a manifold layers of God's wisdom. Yes. That, Paul told us in Ephesians that it's the job of the church to make the manifold oh. wisdom of God known. And yes, so that, that's one of the things we're supposed to do is to, to mine out and to seek out everything the Lord has embedded. And I, I like the word encoded for us. Yes. His word. But we just have to dig it out. That word we said remez to wink at. There, there's uh, hidden jewels Yes. Dig and mine out the word of God, but it takes time. It's going to take a lot of digging, a lot of looking, but it's so, the journey is so wonderful because when you start doing that and, and you get a definition that surprises you, or maybe there's a word that surprises you, then you need to sit down and go, okay, Lord, what are you showing me? The way, the way the Lord explained it to me or the way I see it is if, if I went to somewhere like the Biltmore, and I walked into that vast mansion and I walk in the room, you know, the foyer, the foyer <laughs> of that room. I'm going to be presented with 10 doors that go to 10 new rooms. And then when I walk in those rooms, I'm going to be presented with doors that go to other rooms. Yep. And really, it's the, the, the blessing is in the journey. There's so much that the Lord wants, he wants to commune with the whole reason God created man was he desired to have a family to share all of his love with, just like he walked with Adam. It said in the cool of the day in the garden of Eden, he wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to put his arms around us and let's go on a journey to discover what's in the word of God and let the Holy Spirit guide you on that process because we are kings of our own domain. That's right. And we serve a greater kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And so there's just so much here. I just have time to dig into everything, but uh, we cover a lot of this in our Bible study. We spend a lot of time. We, we maybe get through a chapter, maybe in one right. hour Bible study, uh, but we, we really dig in and get into these. And then I've done some of these on the podcast where you can go in and, and look at some of the, I do a lot of word studies. I did one on Naba, one on Rakaim. And one on Hasid. And so those are already posted and you can look those up and we'll post the link and everything. So thank you so much. Yeah, man, it's been awesome. And yes, we will post those links so that you can get a, be a part of this and join um, and uh, subscribe to her um, podcast. It's awesome. Um, you don't want to miss that. And uh, yes, um, this has, I hope, encouraged each one of us to dig deeper. Um, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do it. It's Blue Letter Bible, blueletterbible.com, or you can get the app on your phone. And it's just like she said, it, it is the joy in the journey. God will just highlight a word. I've taught, said this in my blogs before. God will just highlight a word. And before you know it, you've spent all day uh, just seeing so much in the word of God to enlighten you and maybe even partner you with what the Holy Spirit's doing in that season in your life. And so thank you so much, Beth, for coming and being a part of this with us and all that um, we've learned so much. And um, 
man, um, I'm just so honored uh, to know you. And um, I love it. She'll every so often I'll get this text and she'll go, I got a revelation. And I'm like, I've got to get somewhere and sit down so I can get my notes ready. So anyway, what a joy when you are in fellowship with other people who are digging into what is the Holy Spirit saying to us in this season? And so I want to encourage you to, to be that person and then find other people um, that you can cross paths with and join. That's what real um, Bible study is all about. So um, anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, again, um, we'll post some things so you can find Beth um, and all that she's doing. Again, you can find me on all the social media platforms. Um, and uh, we are here to serve you. So if there's anything at all we can do for you, um, we are honored to do that. If I don't talk to you before, um, Thursday at 3 p.m., Day to Pray on my Facebook page. And if I don't see you before then, we'll see you right here next Sunday night for our next 10 or so um, chapters of the book of Psalm. We'll see you later, guys. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll be informed next time I post. Thank you again and have a blessed day.